Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. Parashat Vayera, God and Strangers. God appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men were standing over against him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent entrance and bowed down to the earth. Thus, Parashat Vayera opens with one of the most famous scenes in the Bible, Abraham's meeting with the three enigmatic strangers. The text calls them men. We later discover that they were in fact angels, each with a specific mission. The chapter, at first glance, seems simple, almost fable-like. It is, however, complex and ambiguous. It consists of three sections. Verse 1, God appears to Abraham. Verses 2 to 16, Abraham meets the men or the angels. Verses 17 to 33, the dialogue between God and Abraham about the fate of Sodom. The relationship between these sections is far from clear. Do they represent one scene, two, or three? The most obvious possibility is three. Each of the above sections is a separate event. First God appears to Abraham, as Rashi explains, to visit the sick after Abraham's circumcision. Then, scene two, the visitors arrive with the news that Sarah will have a child. Then takes place, scene three, the great dialogue about justice and the imminent punishment of the people of Sodom. Maimonides suggests that there are only two scenes, the visit of the angels and the dialogue with God. As for the first verse, it doesn't describe an event at all. According to Maimonides, it's just a chapter heading. It tells us that the events that follow are all part of a prophetic revelation, a divine human encounter, God appearing to Abraham. The third possibility is that we have a single continuous scene. God appears to Abraham, but before he can speak, Abraham sees the passers-by and asks God to wait while he serves the visitor strangers food, only when they have departed. In verse um, 16, does he turn to God and the conversation begins. The interpretation of the chapter affects and hinges on the way we translate the word Adonai in Abraham's appeal, please Adonai, if I have found favour in your sight, don't pass by, I pray you, from your servant. Adonai can be a reference to one of the names of God. It means my Lord, as it were, or God. It can also be read as, with a lowercase l, my Lord's, Adonai, or Sir's. In the first case, Abraham would be addressing God, but in the second case, where he's referring to lords in the plural, he's speaking to the passers-by. The same linguistic ambiguity appears in the next chapter, in chapter 19, verse 2, when two of Abraham's visitors, now described as angels, visit Lot in Sodom. And the two angels, here's the text, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, 
And Lot was sitting by the city gates. When he saw them, he rose to meet them and bowing low said, I pray you now, Adonai, turn aside to your servant's house and tarry all night and bathe your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your way. As there is no contextual element to suggest that Lot might be speaking to God, it seems clear in his case that Adonai means my lords. He's referring to the visitors. The simplest reading then of both texts, the one concerning Abraham and the other concerning Lot, would be to read the word consistently as sirs. Several English translations, in fact, take this approach. Here, for example, is the New English Bible. The Lord appeared to Abraham. He looked up and saw three men standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the opening of his tent to meet them and bowed down low to the ground. Sirs, he said, if I have deserved your favour, don't pass by my humble self without a visit. That's how the New English Bible reads it. Jewish tradition, however, does not read it this way. Normally, differences of interpretation of biblical narrative have no halachic implications. They're matters of legitimate disagreement. This case of Abraham's addressee, however, is unusual because if we translate Adonai as God, it's a holy name. And both the writing of the word by a scribe and the way we treat a parchment or document containing it have special stringencies in Jewish law. If, by contrast, we translate it as lowercase my lords or sirs, it has no special sanctity. Jewish law rules that in the scene with Lot, Adonai is read as sirs, i.e. it's a secular word. But in the case of Abraham, it is read as God, i.e. a holy word, the holy name of God. Now, this is an extraordinary fact because it suggests that Abraham actually interrupted God as he was about to speak, asking him to wait while he attended to the visitors. According to tradition, the passage should be read thus. The Lord appeared to Abraham. He looked up, saw three men standing over against him. On seeing them, he hurried from his tent door to meet them and bowed down. Then, turning to God, he said, My God, if I found favour in your eyes, don't leave your servant. In other words, please wait until I've given some hospitality to these men. He then turned to the men and said, let me send for some water so that you may bathe your feet and rest under this tree. This daring, radical interpretation became the basis for a principle in Judaism. Greater is hospitality than receiving the divine presence. Faced with a choice between listening to God and offering hospitality to what seemed to be human beings, Abraham chose to honour the human beings before honouring God. And God acceded to his request and waited while Abraham brought the visitors food and drink before engaging him in dialogue about the fate of Saddam. How can this be so? It seems disrespectful at best, heretical at worst to put the needs of human beings before attending on the presence of God. What the passage is telling us, though, is something of immense profundity. The idolaters of Abraham's time worshipped the sun, the stars, and the forces of nature as gods. They worshipped power and the powerful. Abraham knew, however, that God is not in nature but beyond nature. 
There's only one thing in the universe on which he has set his image, namely the human person. Every person, powerful and powerless alike. The forces of nature are impersonal, which is why those who worship them eventually lose their humanity. As the book of Psalms puts it, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths but they cannot speak. They have eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nostrils but cannot smell. Those that make them become like them, and so do all who put their trust in them. In other words, you can't worship impersonal forces and remain a person, compassionate, humane, generous, forgiving. Precisely because we believe that God is personal, someone to whom we can say you, we honour human dignity as sacrosanct. Abraham, father of monotheism, knew the paradoxical truth that to live the life of faith is to see the trace of God in the face of a stranger. It's easy to receive the divine presence when God appears as God. What's difficult is to sense the divine presence when it comes disguised as three anonymous passers-by. That was Abraham's greatness. He knew that serving God and offering hospitality to strangers were not two things but one. In one of the most beautiful comments on this episode, Rabbi Sholem of Bells notes that in verse 2, the visitors are spoken of as standing above Abraham. They are nitzavim alav, they're standing above him. While in verse 8, Abraham is described as standing above them, omid alehem. Said the Bells of at first, the visitors were higher than Abraham because they were angels and he was a mere human being. But when he gave them food and drink and shelter, he stood even higher than the angels. By choosing the most radical of the three possible interpretations of Genesis 18, the sages allowed us to hear one of the most fundamental principles of the life of faith. We honor God by honoring his image, humankind. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org slash cc family edition.